From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and Skywarn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson. Hey, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the Stormfront Freaks podcast. As always, if you happen to be a first-time listener, thanks for stopping by and checking us out. Uh, We always encourage you to go to stormfrontfreaks.com, and you can check out our library of all of our previous guests that we've had from the weather industry, Uh, people like uh, uh, James Spann recently. We've had Ginger Z. Uh, You can go back and check out all those great shows. But tonight, this is episode 59. And we can't wait to hear the stories from our guest tonight, Tom Moore, who was one of the original members of the Weather Channel uh, when it started back in 1982. So Tom will be with us, and we're going to run him through our lightning round. Uh, We're going to share some weather fools, and we're also going to introduce our new funny weather memes segment. So that one ought to be good. Uh, But before we get to all of that, first off, I want to let you know we're excited to be a partner with HelicityDesigns.com. They are uh, the leader in weather-themed clothing and accessories for the storm freak that happens to be in you. Because if you're listening to us, you have to be a a storm freak. But besides the new Weather Geek Club that they have where you can earn rewards and their upcoming Storm Crate, which is a Weather Geek subscription box, uh, they also carry an exclusive line of Stormfront Freaks podcast gear like the What Are You Drinking shirt uh, it's got the extreme who's about to chuck nice. a bottle into a twister, um, but you can get uh, you can get a five percent discount on your entire order. Anything you get from those guys, uh, you get five percent off when you use the code podcast p o d c a s t. Use that uh, at w- when you're checking out. Uh, you're gonna get five percent off everything. You can find that all at helicitydesigns.com. And in every night that we record, it's always happy hour. Sometimes we record a little earlier, sometimes a little later. doesn't matter. Uh, but best way to introduce all of our co-hosts is kind of find out what they're drinking as they step up to the bar. So, uh, MJ, what are you drinking tonight? All right. Uh, I like to, you know, sometimes I like to change it up. Sometimes I have uh, old <laughs> standard. Today it's an old standard Grain Belt Northeast. Oh, Look my goodness. I'm, I'm still shocked again. they still Let make me beer. See that. Let me see that again. Grain Belt beer. Oh, I've never heard of it in my life. Is that a Minnesota thing? It's a it's a Midwest thing, yeah. Oh, Midwest. Okay, Definitely. Cool. Yep. The, right. the old the old saying with Grain Belt was uh, Grain Belt beer comes out here, and then yeah, that was. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Good. That's right. Don't make you laugh. Well, Kim, what Kim, what are you drinking tonight? I know you got a little bit of a cough, but I do, and but it didn't stop me, and I, you know, I again, I haven't taken any of the cough medicine yet, so I think I'm okay. But this is just. <laughs> I hate to, I miss beer, but this is just uh, raspberry vodka um, with tonic water. Uh, sorry, club soda. soda. And that's it. Wow, so, that medicine's already getting to you. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Anyway, so that's what I'm drinking. But Very good. It'll be wine later. <laughs> it keeps coming. It keeps well, coming. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get to our esteemed guest, Kim. I'll, I'll turn it over to you to introduce your old colleague. All right. I am so excited. Um, as you mentioned, Tom was actually at the very beginning, he was part of the Weather Channel when it first began. So when you think back on that, it's 1982, 1982. And you know, it took a lot of courage probably um, to come to a place, especially being from the Northeast and traveling down to Atlanta. I can't wait to hear about this. But Tom spent over 30 years at the Weather Channel. And when I first got there in 1991, well, I've known Tom for 27 years, um, when I first got there, Tom was on camera, so he was doing on-air work, and a lot of folks remember him from that uh, time. But then he did a switch. He went back to the um, meteorology side where, you know, what an asset he was to the Weather Channel, um, just one of the top-notch forecasters in the world, I believe, and has the respect of everyone um, who knows Tom and knows his forecasting skills. And we were so lucky to have him in the meteorology side to use his expertise, especially, and folks may not know this about Tom, but 
uh, really an expert on lake effect snow. And we always, you know, picked his brain and um, wanting to know about when lake effect events were happening. And for me, I didn't even know anything about lake effect events when, until I got to the Weather Channel. So um, what a great asset. Um, Tom is now working for a private weather service. It's the Weather Concierge. He's a senior meteorologist there. And um, Tom's time with others at the beginning of the Weather Channel have recently, by the way, been chronicled in the book, Weather Channel Pioneers. So I hear it's a great read. I just ordered it. Hopefully it'll get here this weekend. But, you know, it goes way back with, you know, John Coleman and um, um, De uh, Joe DeLeo, who are the writers of the book. So, Tom, a very warm welcome to you. So happy to have you on the show. And, you know, so going back to 1982, tell us that do you remember making the decision to, to come down to Atlanta to join the Weather Channel? I do, Kim. Uh Basically, I was working for the government in Washington, D.C. I was doing some environmental work, but I wanted to get into forecasting because that's something I always wanted to do from the time I was seven years old. So I was trying to make that switch. So basically, uh, through the AMS, American Meteorological Society, they had a jobs bulletin that they put out every month. And back then, for $5 a year, you could uh, get the bulletin every month. So October 1981 comes around, and I'm perusing through it. I had applied for a couple of jobs already through it, and it said, uh, coming soon, a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week National Weather Channel. And I figured, oh, wow, that's great. You know, I always wanted that. Of course, I didn't know that ever, anybody else would want, <laughs> want that, but I thought it was really intriguing. So basically, I sent a cover letter and a resume and uh, in the cover letter, I kind of, I couldn't get down on my knees and beg, but I typed it up and I begged, please, please, please hire me. Uh, you know, I'll do anything. I'll mop the floor. I'll do anything. But anyway, to make a long story short, um, they did a lot of uh, interviews over the phone. They didn't have enough money or the funds to bring people in. So uh, I was called uh, in early January, 1982, and basically they did a little quick interview and they called me back and they offered me the job. So here I am in Atlanta or in Washington DC area. I had lived there for about six years and I had to make a quick decision. Uh, do I stay or do I go or do I go or do I stay basically? So uh, to make a long story short again, uh, I decided I had to try this forecasting stuff. I had to take that chance, move ahead, and roll the dice, so to speak, and uh, pack up my stuff and move to a strange place. And the South was different in those days. Moving from the North to the South was a big deal, right? I never thought I'd live in the Southern United States. Right. So anyway, in late February, um, right at the end of the month, uh, packed up the stuff, moved to the Atlanta area, and went to work starting March 1st, uh, 1982. And then we practiced and you know got acclimated. And on May 2nd, 1982, that is the day that the Weather Channel Cable Network launched. So Tom, did you did you come down initially to be on camera or did, did you immediately go on camera or were you behind the scenes at all at the beginning? Oh yes. Uh, uh, I wasn't on camera to begin with. Uh, I had done some of that a little bit in college for a local cable TV station. So I had dabbled in it. I had a little bit of experience of it with it. But I started out at the bottom uh, calling up radars and whatever the, the lowest rung on the ladder did. and But I got promoted pretty incrementally, partially because I tried to work as hard as I could six, seven days a week sometimes. I, I put the pedal to the metal, so to speak. Plus, some people came and went because at a startup, it's not for everybody. So I was able to incrementally move up. And at the same time, you, you, know, you mentioned John Coleman, right? Uh, he was an icon. He was on Good Morning America. And he was also the founder and president of the Weather Channel. He, it was John's vision that any meteorologist could be on camera because that was the ultimate thing to be, you know. So uh, he had the, uh, a studio set up so that the meteorologists could practice on air skills. And, and with all of the graphics, you know, that you load and you know, as primitive as it was in those days. And so I think at least three times a week, I went to the Weather Channel on my own time in the evenings, and so did us some other people, and we practiced and practiced, 
and eventually it turned into an intern program, which I think you ended up uh, uh, in way down the line. It was more developed by the time you got to it. Yeah. But uh, so I began to fill in on the air uh, after about a year. And within a couple of years after that, there was a female meteorologist who is one of the icons of weather, Karen Minton. She's still on WSB in Atlanta. Uh, Doing fabulous. The mere fact that she is a woman in TV weather, uh, you know, that, that with that much experience, we'll put it that way, is amazing because that would never have happened in the 1980s. It's another book, so I'll get away from it. But uh, she left, and the, Ray Ban, who was the head of our meteorology department, uh, decided to put me, I'm going to put you on the air starting tomorrow. How about that? And I go, oh, starting okay. tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah, starting tomorrow. So I go, okay, well, I guess so. You know, so basically uh, I did. I was thrown into the fire in 1986. And that's when I started uh, doing every day on camera work uh, so what, for the Weather Channel. So, Tom, what, what were some of the, you know, back then, what were some of the new, w without getting, uh, too technical, but what was some of the new technology that maybe you guys had access to back when you're getting started, or or maybe you didn't? But you know, what what were some of the new things back then uh, that you guys were getting involved in? Well, it was kind of a mixture. There was the modern technology and what there was of it we had, and then there was not so modern technology that we had. Basically, and you had that too, duct tape and yeah, and all that. Uh, but our graphic system was state of the art. Uh, there was a, a color graphics machine, and we actually had artists, not, because now they have weather producers where they produce the weather, do the graphics, and they're meteorologists. But we actually had professional artists draw all of the, the maps and all that kind of thing and the background stuff, and they had the advanced color graphics at the time. There was also a loading mechanism called a Quantel machine, and it was kind of like the old, I don't know, some people might remember the old slide projectors. You know, you put the slides in and you move it ahead, mm -hmm. one, one, one. Well, we were able to do that, put computer uh, graphics and load them in and do a complete show with a, a clicker, a button, and we could move them ahead. Uh, so I guess that was uh, modern for the time. However, uh, you, you see satellite pictures now, right? They're going in motion. Well, back then, you, we got one about every 15 minutes that came in clanging on a machine, and we'd have to take a picture of it load it into the Quantel, and once we got six or seven of them, we could move it ahead, and it looked like the satellite picture was in motion. Like a loop. <laughs> Some of the infrared, the infrared would come out cold in the morning. We had black markers uh, uh, that we kind of worked on the satellite picture and colored all the, the uh, kind of the white noise out of the way so that the pictures would look better on the air. Uh, when a tornado watch or a severe thunderstorm watch came out, uh, we had uh, construction paper and an exacto knife. And <laughs> we cut those out in triangles, you know, how they are for the watches. Took, you know, we were able to shoot them and load them into the Quantel. And then you could superimpose severe thunderstorm watch till <laughs> 8 p.m. on them. And I, I think I, I still have a couple of uh, uh, little lines in my my fingers from the 1980s <laughs> from the exacto knife. So it was a combination of the old and the new. It was caveman meets, uh, you know, the primitive space program. The low tech and high tech. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, you know, on that note, Tom, you were telling me earlier, uh, tell us about the very first lunar eclipse that the Weather Channel showed live. Well, that we goes along with the tech, I think. Right. And, I, you know, here's the, uh, how about here? Shameless plug. Uh, here's the Weather Channel Pioneers book. Uh, which Kim, told, Joe DeLeo, the late John Coleman wrote it. I do did contribute to it. I have something in there uh, as well, and you can get it on Amazon. So uh, if you're interested in the early days of the Weather Channel, uh, the book is available. Uh, now, as to your uh, question, we wanted to go live, and we used to bug the management. Hey, can we do a live shot? Uh, we didn't know what, it, what that was. No stations are really doing it, but we wanted to get out there and do it. So... Uh, we didn't have the budget for it, so we made something up. Basically, there was a lunar eclipse in December of 1983. It was going to occur, I don't know, between 11 and midnight, if I remember, somewhere in there. So uh, the technical director had to climb up to the roof. We were on the second floor of this building, climb up to the roof on this ladder, and took a, somebody had a telescope, so we had that set up. 
And it was around 8 o'clock. He climbs up to the roof, and uh, he sees the moon. It was full moon. And takes the uh, telescope and aims it at the moon. And he leaves it. And he comes climbing down the stairs. And Okay, so we'll fast forward to about 11 o'clock, 1130. And the on-air was ever doing I don't even remember who was doing the show, but it was usually had two on-camera people uh, during the hour. He said, first ever live shot for the Weather Channel. Let's go to the lunar eclipse. Well, nobody <laughs> was minding the store. The moon's moved. Gone. It's moved. <laughs> it was total black. So it was utter horror. So the picture quickly gets in and climbs up the stairs and gets onto the roof. And he's moving the telescope around to try to find the moon. Well, we were near an interstate highway 285. And there was a gas station. And gas stations near the interstates have these. They're very tall. You can read them from the highway. Well, there was a golf, golf station uh, on the next corner about a half a mile down. And it was big orange with a golf sign. I wrote an article about this uh, a couple of years ago. But anyway, uh, so he's he's harried, you know. So he turns around and he, he, he focuses on the golf sign. Well, back in the, in the uh, we call it the Met Lab at the time, the forecast center, uh, we had a wisecracking meteorologist who was our lead, uh, Al Lipson. He was always trying to make us laugh. And he stares at the uh, TV monitor that we had. And he goes, look. He goes, there's a golf station on the moon. So oh, God. Everybody, just, everybody just broke up laughing. And it, it was, uh, so that's that. It did, didn't quite work out uh, the way that we wanted it to. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, early, you know, I know, early Weather Channel TV. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome! Um, do you remember? I imagine were you there the first day um, it went live? Were you? Did you actually? Were you actually on the air that day too? Well, yeah, I was behind the scenes. Uh, there's an iconic picture. It's in the book. I, I won't find it now, but uh, of a group of meteorologists with John Cole, Coleman, and they kind of profess press the button to go out in the air. There was a big show, trade cable show going on in Las Vegas. So the real launch was there. So they were going back and forth between the show in Las Vegas and, you know, the Weather Channel. Uh, I am a part of that group. If okay. I would have known that that would have been an iconic picture, I would have come to the front of the group. I'm missing. <laughs> I'm in the back. You can't see me. Every time I stare at that picture, you know, it's like, I'm in that picture. But yeah. you can't see me. But yes, I was there. Uh, uh, the whole staff was there. It was about what eight or eight thirty in the evening, the first first show, and uh, Andre Bernier and Bruce Edwards were the two on camera meteorologists for all you trivia buffs of who had, who did the first show. And uh, and as Bruce said, this is the never ending weatherathon or telethon, uh, and I guess it is still uh, that way. And what, back then, Tom, was it was it actual twenty four seven? Somebody or did they have like the taper show at two in the morning, or was it live twenty four seven? Actually, it wasn't. Okay. For the first six months, the Weather Channel had paid for uh, a satellite feed, but on the same satellite, uh, there was some movie channel. It's obscure. It wasn't like HBO or anything. It was some movie channel that had it had it for two hours a night. So we. So we had a forecast star, which we had messages on, which on your local forecast, you could get it. So basically, if you had the Weather Channel, we had meteorologists typing information on the star for those two hours during okay. the uh, when we went uh, blacked out. And then we, we got the two hours back after the first year, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then about a year after that, the uh, maintenance crew uh, was saying, you know, we just have so much to do. We just can't be on 24 hours a day because uh, we we like at least some time to get things situated, you know, so things don't go wrong. So we actually went from a 24 hour a day to 22 hours a day. And what happened is at two in the morning, and I think this is probably what you remember, Kim, uh, we would uh, tape the two o'clock show. We would do uh, satellite look aheads and all that, but we didn't do any current information. And right. that show which only one person did, so only one person had to stay for that. So they didn't have two people stay until three in the morning. That show was played again the following two hours. Right. So yeah. So that was like, who's doing the taper tonight? Uh -huh. So you could do the, I, I got stuck with the taper when I first started on for a while. Yeah, raise your hand. 
Yeah. Well, that's it was when you were in the apprentice program, that's where they put you. It's like when you're when they don't want to put you during the prime time when you're kind of new and practicing. So they would stick you on the taper show. And I worked with Dave Schwartz a lot um, at two o'clock in the morning. So another rest in peace. Well, um, I, you know, I know Dave was great. I, yeah. you know, I'd get home. I'd get home about three o'clock and I'd be watch cable and I'd turn on. I'd see myself and I'd, yes. turn, I'd turn on ESPN and a young Chris Berman was there talking about baseball or something, you know. So it was all the youngins in those days on it in the middle of right. the night. It's kind of funny. Right. So, what, so, Tom, what were some of the challenges personally that, that maybe you faced starting a, a, a almost 24-hour all-weather, all-the-time channel what what were some of the obviously you were excited about starting there and going there once you were there what were some of the challenges you were like oh my god well oh wow let me uh, let me break it down <laughs> because there were challenges in many uh there were personal challenges and then there were challenges that the network had <laughs> yeah which that could be another show sure. both of them another book <laughs> uh, the personal challenges you know you Somebody got sick, you were covering shifts and you were working a lot. And it, it was just, it was a very taxing on a lot of people. Now, fortunately, we were young. We didn't know any better. But if, if we were older and had families, it would have been a, more of an issue. We had a whole bunch of people in their 20s, uh, really. We hardly had anybody over 40 in the whole darn network. So maybe that was a big advantage at the time for what we had because you got these eager beavers wanting to work. Uh, but, you know, we, we would have technical problems. Uh, Quantel down. We'd have to go to emergency modes. I don't even want to get into all that, but it was it was there were those, and then there were uh, network problems like money. Uh, John John didn't want subscriber fees. You know, cable networks have subscriber fees, and basically for all those that subscribe to the network, uh, you, you, they get paid. Started out at five or ten cents per subscriber. ESPN probably gets four or five dollars now, but. Uh, per subscriber, and then that's how cable networks make a lot of their money. And then there was advertising. Well, we were getting, uh, for the first year, we got no subscriber fees. John didn't want that, but we weren't getting much in advertising fees either. So with only a little bit of money coming in and a lot of money going out, they were, they were just bleeding terribly. And our owners, Landmark Communications, they didn't like that. Uh, they tried to hold on to it. But as we moved from July to August of 1983, they had a meeting and had decided to pull the plug on the Weather Channel. The hand was on the plug, on the plug, ready to pull. And uh, the president of, the, of Landmark at the time, W. Wynn, said, you know, I'm going to go to the major cable subscri uh, networks uh, owners. Now, now there's like a monopoly of three or four of them, your AT&Ts and your Comcast. But then there was like three or four big ones, and there's a lot of mom and pop stuff around the country. So he, want, he wanted to go to the 10 major ones. If he could get a subscriber fee to show that we were needed, then we could bring in the money and save the network. Uh, meanwhile, J John had a falling out with the network, and uh, they gave him 30 days to sell and he couldn't find a seller and all that happened. It was a lot of chaos going going on in the summer of 83. Some of that I didn't know anything about, and it's a good thing I didn't, yeah. until it finally we had a big meeting saying, oh, we're in trouble and we're going to try to save this network. And, you know, if we can get the 10, well, a hurricane in August of 83 formed in the Gulf of Mexico out of a, out of a disturbance, <laughs> an upper disturbance comes down. Thank God comes down out of Louisiana and Mississippi, goes into the Gulf, uh, intensifies and forms Hurricane Alicia. Hurricane Alicia forms in the Northern Gulf, becomes a Cat Three, uh, Category Three on the Sanford Simpson scale, and then turns toward Galveston and Houston. Well, Houston was the number one subscriber, you know, as far as the, the, their cable system was number one. We also had a hurricane expert, John Hope, was one of the greatest people that I've ever met in my life, let alone the best, yeah, the best to know hurricane forecaster. He had been with the Hurricane Center and all that. And uh, yeah, I could write a book about John as well. Alicia came in. They said, yes, we will pay your subscriber fees. And I don't know if that was the whole thing, but we called Alicia at the Weather Channel the storm that saved the Weather Channel. We, 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 
said, okay, we're good to go for a little while longer. It took a couple more years, I think, to break even. And then another year after that to start making a profit. And so the late 80s were better for the Weather Channel. Sure. But we saved ourselves. We were holding on to life rafts, wow. if it answers wow. your question. It, wow. No, that does. And because and it piggybacks a little bit onto the next question I have, which is besides hurricanes helping the Weather Channel, which it continues to do today, um, w- w- was there anything that you guys were doing back then or that you started back then that you still see the Weather Channel doing today? Some kind of s- similar programming or something that, that started back then? Well, I, I can't say, I can't make a one-to-one on that, really, because what they do now is completely different. The technology is different. Programming is different. Television's different. It's all different. Uh, one thing I will say about the Weather Channel is uh, there was a knock on them uh, five, ten years ago, we'll say, that they were getting away from doing everyday weather. And I noticed that they do more now. Uh, there's more programming. And one thing they do now that they we didn't have the capacity to do back then was get deeper into the weather. We had our little one-minute vin- uh, uh, vignettes uh, on uh, meteorological minutes and tried to describe the weather and we'd have somebody take a certain subject and uh, inform the public. I'd say education of the public though is is something that was done both in, in both eras, but it, it's so much different uh, 35 years later. What's funny, Tom, is some of those, um, the maps from back then made it for a long time, like, you know, in the Quantel, is it 331 for the thunderstorm map and just the idea of drawing the thunderstorm area, the rain map, 333. Those maps lasted for a long time, um, I believe from the beginning until, you know, probably into the into the 2000s where they started changing them up a little bit. The five-day business planner, that was another segment that lasted for a really long time that people got used to. And um, then we ended up have to go 10 days. And I remember that was like, no way, 10 days. We can't do 10 days anyway. Well, there was the business travel forecast too. Yeah, and that's we, right. were able to, we were able to get like United Airlines and, and some pretty decent sponsors for that. And then we'd, you know, they'd play music and show cities in their forecast with, a, you know, the city with, and the artists would draw a nice background of the city. And that was a popular feature yeah. as well, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, tell you what, before before we move on, Tom, tell us a little bit about, too, what, what you're doing now with Weather Concierge. What um, what kind of uh, private company is that, and what are you doing for them? Okay, well, uh, over the past few months, there's been uh, a group of uh, people that have really put a lot of work into it. Uh, there were three kind of three entities of private businesses that have melded together. There was the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania weather with Steve DiMartino. There was Henry Margusti with the uh, Weather Madness, and uh, and uh, and then there was uh, also uh, Weather My Weather Concierge, and Jason has that. So uh, three of them all came together and uh, forming one company. And this is a company that will be uh, slated to go nationwide. We're going to have uh, unique subscribers. We'll also connect to the public through uh, private companies, forecasting for transportation entities, et cetera, schools, that type of thing. So there's a, uh, a long-term business plan being set up for it. Uh, trying to get away from, oh, it's just one computer forecast that says 30% chance of thunderstorms this afternoon, 60% chance tonight. We want to get more in-depth into that. We want to have a personal touch to that. Uh, to have your own private meteorologist that can get in a little bit more in depth with the forecast. When is it going? the storm going to come? How long is it going to last? Are there going to be any more during the day? Uh, what are the temperature differences going to be? Is there going to be any radical changes? A high temperature of 85 could occur at 11 in the morning. So, you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. there's a lot that goes on with that. And I, and I think that's going to be uh, significant. I, I'm not really a major part of the launch with this. Uh, I'm working for them. I told them I would do anything to help them out. Uh, they have warmly greeted me. So basically, I will be doing uh, uh, articles for the web page, and they have a very good web page. You know, just go to weatherconciers.com. Uh, lots of great articles there. Uh, I'm also been tabbed as the uh, historian. Uh, I guess awesome. that comes with being around for a few years. 
Every <laughs> Friday, yeah, well, every Friday, uh, they will be publishing an article uh, either for that day or maybe the day after. I've got one coming tomorrow. Uh, you might want to check it out. It has to do with the uh, last island hurricane of 1856 in Louisiana that changed a way of life and uh, changed an island forever. And, they, and I talked about the Louisiana aristocracy and uh, that the winds of war were in the air, but this wind was a precursor to all of that. It wiped out the island, damaged their aristocracy. Uh, and anyway, it's a very interesting story. Unfortunately, 200 people out of 400 around the island perished in it because it was a category four with, and they, they had no clue and they were just hanging on to stuff for dear life. But anyway, uh, last week I talked about a tornado that was up to an F3 that hit Philadelphia in 1885. I'll also be uh, uh, working with uh, clients. Uh, we're all going to be assigned a group of clients to work with. So uh, uh, Steve will have some and Jason Bowman will have some and I'll have some and Henry will have some. And we'll, if we expand enough, we'll try to bring in even more meteorologists as time goes on. But we only launched in July. So we're sure. basically sure. just kind of lift, doing lift off. Right. We'll, we'll do this as uh, we finish up here. How, how can listeners uh, find you or follow you on social media, Tom? Uh, well, I, I, I have the Twitter uh, at Tom Moore WX. So, okay. And then, of course, you could go at WX Concierge for, for a weather concierge. Good. Uh, so uh, that's probably the best way to do it. Good. Good. Okay, and we'll we'll make sure we put a link to that uh, book uh, on Amazon as well in our show notes. But uh, it is time for our lightning round. So, Tom, our lightning round. This is our game show of brilliant questions for our guest. Uh, we always invite everybody to play along with us, uh, including our freaks. And tonight, uh, we're going to play our little version of "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire," and this is going to be Atlanta Braves version. So I, I hear you're an Atlanta Braves fan. Is that correct? That is uh, correct. Uh, I was. I grew up as a Yankees fan, but since I've been in Atlanta for 35 plus years, I've grown to be a great. Well, Braves well, fan. we we did. It's good because we already did the Yankees version with Cantori. So that's right. Uh, so we're we're gonna do the Braves version with you. So I've got five questions, and and how who wants to be a millionaire? How that works is uh, you're going to be given it's multiple choice. I'm going to give you a question, and I'll give you four potential answers. You just have to pick the right answer. Um, if you want, you can always do the 50-50 where I'll take two of them away, two of the wrong answers away, and just leave you with two other answers to pick the right one. Or you can uh, phone a freak, phone a, a friend, uh, pull one of the freaks to, to maybe get them to help you out. So you got a couple lifelines uh, with you tonight. Does that sound I'm good? I'm going to get a million dollars if I win. Um, it's, it's, it's who wants to be a millionaire. So it's, yeah, you want to be one and I get it. We all do, but that doesn't mean we're going to make you one tonight. So here we go. So the first question, again, this is the Atlanta Braves. So who is the all time Atlanta Braves home run leader? Is that a Dale Murphy, B Mark McGuire, C Hank Aaron, or D Ted Turner? <laughs> well, is that just for Atlanta, or do you count Milwaukee? Is it Braves or Atlanta Braves? Well, Braves. We'll, we'll say Braves. We'll say Braves. Oh, okay. The franchise. The franchise uh, would have to be uh, Murph then. Uh, you would say so. You would say Dale Murphy. Right. And that would be incorrect. Whoa. The all-time home run leader for the Braves is Hank Aaron. Correct. Oh no. No, you, I, I would have said it. I would have said Hank Aaron if you counted Milwaukee, but but that's uh, the Braves. I said franchise. The no, Braves said, is a franchise. Uh, they just moved to Atlanta. All correct? right. Well, I, all right. That's same, all right. I same franchise. I, well, I'll tell you I what. We'll we'll, we'll still give that to you. A little I, bit of a I trick question. I misunderstood the question. This, this um, is yeah. yeah this I'm is no, Braves. I know Hank this is the Braves. This is the Braves. Okay. All right. So you'll get it on this next one. All right. This is all time braves all-time braves strikeout leaders who's actually i'll take this back i'm just going to say who's got the most strikeouts in this group right is it a john smoltz b tom glavin c greg maddox or d roger clemens which brave has the most strikeouts in that group brave well that's brave. that would be smoltz you're correct john smoltz all right third question uh, uh, brave with the most stolen bases. So we're getting into some obscure stats. 
Most stolen bases is either A, Raphael Furcal, B, Herman Long, C, Billy Hamilton, or D, Ricky Henderson? Wow. Well, it'd have to be Rafi then if it's a Brave. You think it's Rafi? That would that would be incorrect. Long? <laughs> uh, it is Herman Long. It is correct. I, that, Herman Long. All right. I've, never, got, heard of, I've he, never heard of Herman Long. He, uh, he, he was a uh, he. Uh, what I he was a late eighty late eighteen hundreds uh, to the early nineteen hundreds. So he was one of the early guys. Yep. All right. So you got you got two more questions and you got two lifelines. Remember, you got fifty fifty and you got uh, pull a freak. All right, so these last ones are a little bit uh, deep to my heart and probably MJ's as well. Who was playing first base for the Minnesota Twins in Game 2 of the 1991 World Series when Ron Gant was mysteriously called out after being pulled off the bag? Is that A, Justin Morneau, B, Gene Larkin, C, Harmon Killebrew, or D, Kent Herbeck? Kent Herbeck. Ooh, Very he good. Got it. All that right, was Ken Turbeck. All he right. Was not pulled off the bank. <laughs> he was pushed off the bank. <laughs> impressive. Uh, it was amazing. Anyway, all right, last question, Tom. You're on a roll. Uh, this, again, relates to the 91 World Series. What were the combined innings pitched of both John Smoltz and Jack Morris in Game 7 of that historic 91 World Series? Was it 17 and a third innings between the two of them? Was it 10 and two-thirds innings, 18 innings, or nine innings? And you have two lifelines left. Uh, well, Morris went all 10. Smoltzy went at least seven. I thought they pulled him for a pinch hitter. So the 17 and the third doesn't sound right because I, I, I remember them pinch hitting for Smoltz in that game. So I'm going to get this wrong probably. But you uh, got two lifelines in case you want to use them. No, no, I'm, uh, I got to know these. He's a wise uh, man. <laughs> uh, Morris went all Mar Morris went all ten. Uh, Small, I thought Smoltz went seven. I thought seventeen was going to be the answer, but I'll have to go with eighteen. You think it's eighteen? <laughs> that would be incorrect. You you would have been close. Seventeen and a third. Yeah. Seventeen and a third. So you're right. Smoltzy went seven and a third innings. Really? Uh, yep. So it would have been. Thought they, I thought they pinched it for him, but I was wrong. Okay. Would, well, would have been. Uh, would have been seventeen and a third. So, uh, good job. You certainly know your uh, your Braves on that. Oh yeah. So good work. All right. Well, appreciate you playing along with us, Tom. That's always kind of fun to to do that. And like I said, we had we had Jim Cantori on, and, and we did some uh, Yankees trivia with him as well. And you guys both know your baseball. Pretty. Uh, pretty impressive yeah, so all right so here's what we're going to do we're uh, we're going to take a short break go ahead and stay right here because we have our weather fools to embarrass next do you have a product or service that needs to get in front of thousands of weather fans if so you can partner with stormfront freaks podcast and be heard and seen over multiple platforms to get more information, go to stormfrontfreaks.com and click on Our Partners or send an email to phil at stormfrontfreaks.com. All right, all right. Welcome back. Hey, time now for, well, we know it's at least Brady's favorite segment, but it is. It's a favorite segment of most people out there. It's our Weather Fools segment. When people are doing some things that maybe they shouldn't have been doing or shouldn't have been saying about weather. So to kick things off, Kim, what do you have for us tonight? Okay. Well, we're going to go across the pond. And, you know, as an on-camera meteorologist, I can't tell you how many times we've said, you don't cross a flooded roadway because you don't know how deep it is. Right? There are many reasons why, but that's one of the reasons. You don't know what's underneath that water and how deep it is. Well, this is a video of a, maybe a minicab or an Uber driver. Um, so this driver is going through the water and and driving through it. And all of a sudden, it must go. It must dip down or go downhill the water or the road. And then the water's just piled up, and the and the car just or the van just goes right into it and just sinks because it's you know way up to the top of the bottom of the windows. So just a reminder, you know, you don't know how deep the water is. Don't test it. Don't drive through it. This is just a reminder with all the flooding we've been seeing, too. Um, and that's all I have. 
And if you see somebody creating a wake with their car, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good first of all, tell them stop, and second of all, right. send a picture to us. All right. right. So. I mean, because he was going right, he was going along just fine. All of a sudden, you know, it, it went downhill, and then the water was high, and it just was a mess. But anyway, so you're gonna have the video for that, right? I will have the video. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Did you guys but, not? Oh, you didn't see? It. Okay. Oh, yeah. I forgot. We're doing those again, aren't we? We're showing okay. it. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So you can check those out on episode fifty-nine, stormfrontfreaks.com show notes area. You'll be able to see all the information, and uh, and that's good stuff. All right. So, Phil, you yeah. don't have one. You got two tonight. I actually, I do have two tonight, and I feel bad because I'm sharing my screen, and Kim's probably thinking, WTF, why, why does Phil get to share his screen, and I'm not, <laughs> no. and, and I thought, well, maybe we made that, we changed it back uh, when you were gone, Kim, I probably did that, it's my fault. Yeah, I was gone for so long. <laughs> Oh, darn it. Phil gets to show his screen and I don't. He was the one that told us not to. Anyway. I was afraid I was going to mess it up. Okay. So, so I've got two weather fools. They both are, are thanks to Twitter uh, tonight, and they both kind of relate to the same thing. One that I'm showing now is from the National Weather Service uh, in Tallahassee, uh, at NWS Tallahassee. Anyway, it's, uh, it says, watching folks hiding out under canopy tents during a thunderstorm. This is not how you ride out a thunderstorm when thunder roars go indoors and and it was just you, you can see highlighted in the picture they even circled it's showing the beach and you can tell it's a torrential downpour on the beach but of course there's a couple uh beach umbrellas up and there's some people you know riding out the storm under a beach umbrella on the beach so ridiculous one there and then the second one i have to share actually comes to us from a baseball game tom this is uh, from the Washington Nationals uh, Park, and uh, they're playing a baseball game. And in the background, you see a nice bolt of lightning that will pop up. And, of course, you know, there's people still hanging out in the stands, and the game is still going on. You can see the scoreboard showing who's coming up to bat. Uh, you know, there's people watching the game, and there's lightning that close. Uh, is ridiculous. And I'll tell you what, Major League Baseball has come under a lot of heat especially in the meteorological community, but for, for really having pretty piss-poor policies when it comes to weather. I don't know why they always seem to be the ones having games when there's lightning involved or hail involved, but uh, definitely weather fools, lightning weather fools. Mm -hmm. And in this day and age, I'm like, seriously, we have the technology. Come on. Everybody's right. got it on their phone, right? Yeah. Right. No doubt. And they have meteorologists that are looking for them, you know, that are giving them updates and telling them, you know, if lightning's within so many miles and all that. Yeah. So I don't get it. Yeah, in college football, they, they uh, send everybody out, out of their seats. You know, they're very diligent about it. I know mm -hmm. the NCAA is. Um, in MLB, I don't know. I, I mean, I they definitely should suspend play and uh, and people should move away back and get away from metallic I mean, there, objects there there are things that you know because you can tell people to leave you can tell them to hey there's there's bad weather and leave um you can't it's hard to make them leave and i know you know tom you bring up the ncaa i i, I don't know if it was oklahoma or where it was but um when they have bad weather and they tell people to leave your seats um the students don't because the students don't have assigned reserved seats and so they stand in line forever and they get into the stadium right away to get prime seats that if they leave, they don't have a guarantee that their seat will be back when play resumes. Mm -hmm. And so I know that that issue has come up a number of times in regards to, you know, you, you can't get police and force people and put police in harm's way to try and remove people from the stadium when there's bad weather. You can just advise them to. But for Major League Baseball to still be playing a game, that's the issue. Right. The, the PGA, I know the PGA, they stop uh, the golf tournaments with lightning way far away. I mean, I don't know what their yeah. criteria is, but I know it's thunderstorm 10, 15 miles away, and they suspend play. Mm -hmm. You know, free beer helps, too. So if you say, hey, there's like free beer, what? Yeah. Okay, they're out there. So. All right. Well, anyway, all these uh, we'll post all these fools on our episode 59 show notes. You can find them at uh, stormfrontfreaks.com under the episode 59. Or nowadays, you can just, if you're listening to it uh, right on your podcast app on your phone, a lot of the podcast apps, you can pull up the show notes right there. 
and uh, click on the link, and it'll take you right to these uh, these shows. But we're going to take our final break. You guys can refill your drink. When we come back, it's going to be our new segment of funny weather memes that you'll be sharing with all your friends. I'm Bill Ford. And I'm Mike Prendergast of Storm Warriors. And you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. All right. Hey, welcome back. Hey, we're excited for this new segment. Uh, for right now, we're going to call it Funny Weather Memes until we can come up with a better name or until we get a sponsor. Uh, they can maybe sponsor it. But uh, we just thought what a great way to uh, do some show some funny things for those of you that might be watching us. And even if you're listening, uh, these are things you can check out uh, later as well. But some good old funny weather memes that we might see that might relate to the weather as it is today, might relate to weather uh, at another time, but something that might make us uh, giggle a little bit. I'll start with Maz. What do you got for us, Maz? Okay, so I'm I like the idea of a meme that works for all occasions. So if you've got something, whether it's sunny, whether it's cloudy, whatever, you got that's John Candy, right? <laughs> yeah, over, it yeah. is. Great. <laughs> and you can almost hear his voice. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Close yeah, today. Yeah, so, absolutely. And you can Holy use world. sunny, you know, hot, too hot, too cold, too rainy, whatever it is, it works perfectly. So and what nice. does it say? Sorry, folks, the outdoors are closed today. And he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like in stripes. But he's in a, he was in another movie, too, I think, where he was doing that. It was like The Great Outdoors or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, anyway. he, was, he was in Canadian Bacon, which was pretty good uh, as well. Yeah, that was yeah, kind of yeah. funny. But Great actor. Yeah. I think he was a mouse. All right. So All right, very good. Well, Kim, uh, Kim, you you've always you were you were always you were bringing weather memes to the table back in Weather I, Fools. So I was way you got have some time. good ones for us. Yeah, way ahead of my time. We'll, we'll see if I can bring this up here. Okay, so hang on one <laughs> ahead second. Ahead of my time, I like that. Okay, let's see. A lot of you are wondering. A lot of you are wondering how hot is it <laughs> with the summer? You know, another month or so left of summer officially. Um, how hot is it? Well. This man just peeked outside to see if it was hot. And it's a picture of a man who <laughs> half of his face is normal. The other half is burned um, beyond recognition and skin's falling off and eyeballs about popping out. <laughs> so the moral of the story, you know, he, you know, peeked outside and it was that hot that it burned his face. Do, do you so, know who that is? What character I, that is, Kim? Do you, I do not know who that is. That I'm is thinking of somebody. It's Two Face from yes. Batman. Oh, you know what? I never, uh, I don't I never know if saw that was, Batman. I believe that was Batman. If that was Batman, it wasn't Batman Begins. No. Might have been Batman Begins, or was it the second uh, one? Anyway. Second or third. I did not know that. Okay. All right, this one. It's. Um, do you see this? Yes. How hot is it? Um, well, meanwhile, in my pants, and it shows a swamp. So anyway, oh. that's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't see okay. the joke through the trees on that one. Stop. I was like, what? <laughs> Stop. So, okay. So it's like a swamp. Yeah, it's and, so hot. And, and then it says, meanwhile in my pants. I don't see where it says anything about hot. It just says, meanwhile in my pants. That's a swamp. I think I found it you know, on a website or something that was talking about, <laughs> about how hot it was. So okay. that's, that's, I'm sticking with that. That, that, was either, that either came from a, a weather website or a porn site, one of the two. I'm not quite sure which one. Wow. <laughs> Misplaced memes for 200, yeah. No, I think it, it goes. it should go with drain the swamp. I'm not sure. Oh okay. gosh, that's wah, good wah, stuff, wah. Kim. Okay. Good Move stuff. on. All right. Well, I've I've got yeah, right. uh, I got I got two to share with you as well. Uh, first one happens to be a guy who's uh, pushing a shopping cart through flooded waters, barefoot, and it says when in a when a huge storm hit the town, but you're high on weed and you have the munchies. Oh god. So when a huge storm hit the town, but you're high on weed and you have the munchies, you got to go shopping, right? You got you got to hit the you got to go shopping whether you're in a flash flood or not. That's so that's terrible. number one. It almost looked like Jim Carrey. <laughs> no, no, it, it does. I think no, too. At least, at least he's not driving. 
Yeah, that's true. Well, you must be looking at one that's pixelated because it doesn't look anything like Jim Carrey. He's a Don't little big push a car through a flooded roadway. All right, next one is if you know Billy Idol, this says, oh, It's yeah. a nice day for light sweater. <laughs> it's a nice day for cardigan. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, that's good. Now that not, one, that one looks like there. Billy Idol. It, yeah. it is, yeah. <laughs> doesn't sound like him, but it certainly looks like him. So cool yeah, that, that you can pull those out this fall when we finally start getting some cooler weather. If you're that a Billy awesome. Idol fan. Okay. All right. So hey, if you're listening and 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 obviously our explanation wasn't enough, uh, then certainly uh, check out the what? show notes, uh, episode fifty nine. You can go to stormfrontfreaks.com. Uh, pull up the episode and see the show notes or pull it up right on your phone uh, as well. All we'll, we'll have all those links and that's a reminder, all of you guys, make sure you send me your meme links. So, all right, MJ, what do we have for uh, listener responses? All right. We got one tonight. Bobby Stillwell tweeted out to us uh, late to the party, but I busted a gut laughing at James Spann's appearance on Stormfront freaks. That foghorn never gets old. So Aww, cool. <laughs> he brought the foghorn with him. Yeah, that was good. Oh, sure sorry, did. <clears throat> well, all right. Well, hey, that about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Thanks for listening or watching, if that's your choice. Uh, before I reveal our next guest, if you do enjoy the show, please do us a favor. Uh, we, we don't ask a lot, but if you would, leave a great review on your podcast app for us. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to the show by hitting your podcast app subscribe button. All that does, it's just like a magazine newspaper subscription. It assures the latest show gets delivered right to your podcast inbox so that you can listen the moment that we release it because uh, it, it typically comes out on, on Sunday after we record, uh, but the time of day, you never know, so you'll get it right away. Hey, special thanks to our guest tonight, Tom Moore. Awesome. Tom, thanks for coming by. Thank you. And uh, our next episode in two weeks, we're going to record, um, we'll start recording part two of our Women in Chasing series on August 23rd. It's going to be with, uh, be with atmospheric scientists on the Vortex Projects, Karen Kasiba. Uh, will be joining us in two weeks. So we're excited about having Karen. Uh, if you'd like to watch the recording live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, check us out on our YouTube channel. Uh, just go to YouTube, search Stormfront Freaks. So for MJ, Maz, Kim, and Tom, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear, and we'll catch you guys next time. Good night, everybody. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our biweekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Watch our shows on YouTube and Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our live interactive Storm Chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.